0: This is Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds. This is your chance to get the inside scoop on Villanova Basketball. Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright is presented by Hartford Funds. Our benchmark is the investor. Now, let's talk Villanova Basketball. Welcome to the Talking Villanova Basketball podcast presented by Hartford Funds and Coach, it's a special day here, and I'll let you introduce our guest. Thank you. We've had some uh, great legends on here, but none
1: bigger than uh, the all-time winningest basketball coach in Villanova history who just completed a um, magical final home game here at the Pavilion. Uh, and we welcome him to the podcast, Harry Peretta. How are you, buddy? good Jay you are good today
2: I say you coach for 50 years win 10 a year you can still win a lot of games (laughs) (laughs) no
1: you've won more you've won more than that um it's it's great to have you on here and I I want you just to uh, uh agree to come back on our podcast next year when you're not coaching and um you're relaxed. And you don't have to worry about getting fired, and we could tell some real good <laughs> tell Harry Peretta stories. Some real true stories. Eh? <laughs> I really want to do that. I'll I'm very you, serious I'll about you. that. It could be the greatest ever. The
2: bookie from the neighborhood was there. <laughs> <laughs> he even showed up. That's what I wanted. Yeah. That's <laughs> what <I laughs> from the old from the, <laughs> <laughs>
1: from the old days. But next year we could have a great podcast on those. I'll tell you about. And, it. and owning, the oh, I, I met um, a bunch of your players from your first team. And that we're at the game yesterday, and we should say that this is um, being taped the day after Harry wins a magical game against the number 11 team in the country, blew them out to ball at the Fenner Pavilion in front of a close to sellout crowd. Um, I'll go back to the girls from the first team, but just for you, what was that like, knowing it was your last game, beating the number 11 team, pavilion packed, what was it like?
2: You know, someone, one of my friends from the neighborhood just described it like a Disney movie, and you said that to me today. It was like a movie, and you couldn't really, you couldn't make it up. And this kid (laughs) made the half-court shot, too, (laughs) to to win the television. That was amazing, too. (laughs) And then we had Maddie breaks Shelly Pennyfather's freshman scoring record in the same game. Unbelievable. And we had a kid that was shooting 19% get a (laughs) triple-double. Only the second in the women's basketball history. So, you couldn't make that stuff up.
1: It was truly magical. Wait, We might have to do a show just on that game. It was was incredible. And we turned
2: the ball over 20 times. (laughs) And won the game.
1: (laughs) I knew you had to throw a women's basketball stat in there, which is beautiful. Let's... Let's go back to the the beginning of it all, and and that's why I want to tell you about the meeting the ladies. First team. I'm I i do not know how many of them were there, but I took a picture with at least eight mm-hmm. uh, yeah, of they're, the they're first were a lot, team. Lot from the first team. Yeah, the and short was there. They were telling me that uh, you didn't make any money back then, and that you ran a bar, the Dribble Inn. Yes, that's what the, it was called. they. You ran a bar, the Dribble Inn, with our boy Tom. Yes. And some of them worked there in the summer. (laughs) 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 Bartenders.
2: And we used to sell my mother's meatballs. And Rolly would stop for a sandwich just because my mother made the meatballs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That was your... How much did you make your first year, and how old were you?
2: I was 22, and I made 2,500. Oh, my God. So was it considered a
1: full-time job? No.
2: Well, I guess it was, but it it was part-time. I had I was laying concrete I was helped laying concrete with some guys that was my making money job and then and, the, and worked in the bar I, I didn't work in the bar I just like oversaw it you know okay and then then I taught my second year at St. Monica's in South Philly so and and was part-time here my second year wow and making 40 I went up to 4,500 my second year <laughs> that's that's a hell of a raise I know and then the third year I was making I I got full-time job here making twelve five. So I was making eight five teaching eight thousand teaching and four five, coaching. So now I made twelve five. I, I was like, this, I thought it was like the greatest job in the
1: world. <laughs> <laughs> where where was twelve? What was twelve five like back then? I mean,
2: I, I lived I mean, at home, so that's the only way I could. Survive. <laughs> that's what I thought. I mean, I,
1: I just wanted to keep it in perspective. It's still, even though it was sounded good back, it's still not a lot to live on. And those girls from that team. Told me, and now I can't remember, but they said like the second or third year you guys had an unbelievable we, year. Yeah,
2: we went to the final four of the AIAW, which is like the NCAA now. And in, it in was your second or third year? third year. year. Uh, and we were small college our first year. Like our big games the first year were like Immaculata and Westchester. Wow. And then we had all those local kids, you know, all those guys, Stephanie Gately, yeah. you know, all those guys. And we just had all these great players. Accumulated over a three-year period, and then we went to the Final Four.
1: In your third year? Yeah,
2: in the third year, it was pretty. Funny. Wow! But and then you you got the regional players. Then it, it was it's not like now where you can't get the regional kids. Like the right. big schools take them away. But right. everybody back then went to a regional school.
1: Interesting. And then what what year was that? It was the what 81. was one? And what were the uh, AIAW? A, what did that stand for? Uh, don't ask me. I can't even remember <laughs> now. <laughs> AIAW, Association I of Interscholastic athletics, athletics for, for women. women. Okay, yeah. that, that sounds Okay, good. and then what year did it go to NCAA? Did the Villanova, next year we went to the NCAA. After the Final Four? Yeah,
2: the AIW disbanded okay. the following year and the NCAA took over.
1: So you were in the last, Villanova was in the last Final Four of the A- yes. AIAW. Yes. Yeah. How about that? Interesting. Yeah. Where was Immaculata back then?
2: When we first, when I first started, immaculata had been only like four or five years removed from from the cathode rush era okay so and so they were still perceived as you know a big-time win right and the state schools like Westchester Shippensburg they were all considered pretty big games because they were state schools gotcha and that's how that's how it all started and then within two or three years they you know they fell by the wayside because they just couldn't keep up financially
1: and for all our listeners, Kathy Rush is a legendary coach that won three national championships. Yes, in a with, row. Three national championships with Immaculata. And, um, they made a movie about her. But I, when I went to the opening of her of the movie, The Mighty Max. Mighty Max. Right? Yeah. And um, she, she told me she used to come watch her practices.
2: Yeah, back in the but day. You, but were
1: you ahead? Of, no, she was her coaching
2: when I got into coaching. She was already coaching. I think okay. she retired can't remember how many years I mean, she she may have retired like a year before i got in i don't remember she told me exactly. she'd come watch
1: your enrollees practices oh
2: yeah she was around a lot
1: uh, that's that's pretty cool and her
2: husband we knew her husband ed rush was uh, the referee uh, in the nba yeah,
1: exactly so you, villanova goes into the ncaa <clears throat> after you went to the final four so you were like 25 years old 26 years 25
2: old? yeah <laughs> exactly. and then and guess where it was at the palestrian Yeah, the the Final Four was at the Plester. Get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, you know I love that. I didn't have to fly anywhere or do anything. (laughs) That's great. Who
1: was in the Final Four that year, your first year?
2: It was Rutgers, uh, ourselves. ourselves, um, I can't remember the other two schools. I can't believe I can't remember. You played Rutgers in the first game, obviously. We got beat by Rutgers in the first game. And and you played the um, third place game back then. Right, right. And we won that game, and I went to Liberty Bell Racetrack after the game. <laughs> I, I, that's what I remember, getting in the car. You know, going the Liberty Bell after that.
1: The, uh, the nickname Horse, um, we, we call you Horse, Coach Mass. used to call you Horse because of your love for uh, horse racing, but um, that shows right there after a Final Four game, <laughs> going right to Liberty Bell Racetrack. <laughs> Where did it where did it go when when the NCA started were, were we in a conference for women's basketball back then um, or were we independent
2: the Big East kind of I think started that next year so we had gotten in I remember I remember the year that the last year I was part time I remember meeting Gavit and Trangisi and uh, I had my work boots on from the concrete stuff <laughs> and Rolly brought them into the Nevin and I saw saw them walking towards me and I'm looking I'm saying. Gave Gavitt. I'm like, oh, oh my God! So, Rollie, he didn't even say my name. He just said, "This is the kid I told you." About. <laughs> I shook Gavitt's hand, like you know. And then I think the next year we had gotten into the the Big East form because we were not one of the original members. Right. It, right. Was, it was like the following year that we got in, so it was pretty fun.
1: <laughs> and what was the Big East like in the beginning of uh, women's? basketball with the Big East was Connecticut good in the beginning
2: it was funny Gino had just gotten the job and they were not very good at all we were we were actually good we had Shelly Pennyfather and Lisa Angelotti and Lynn Tai, Karen Hargan on we were good and we won the league I think two of the two of of the three years that we were in it and we won the championship two two out of three times but that's what it was like The, the power structure was all different Wow. The state schools were like the pits of the world, the kinetics of the world uh, they they were not that good then, so and then they started getting good towards the end of that
1: very interesting, and how many years did it take Gino to get going?
2: Yeah. I remember when we started Ponte Vedra, um, he was at the level he got to the level with within like two or three years after Shelley had graduated and They were at the level where they... So that was
1: about four or five years in for him?
2: Yeah, about four or five years in. And they had gotten to the level where they were beating everybody, but like Tennessee and those guys. Right. And then he was able to break through and get like some of the kids that those schools were getting. And then that's when they started taking over as being the the dominant team. Wow.
1: And was Notre Dame good back then?
2: No, Notre Dame was average. Notre Dame wasn't in the league then.
1: Oh, they came in in 95, 96. Yeah,
2: Yeah, when we went to the... 16-team league is when Notre Dame came in and Miami came in. And were they good immediately when they came Notre in? Notre Dame was. They were pretty good immediately. Not as dominant as they were the last five to ten years. Right. Um, and Miami was really good when they first came into the league. Really? Yeah. They had a kid named Francis Savage. I'll never forget. She was really a great player. And they, and they used to play in a gym smaller than Nevin. Wow. And uh, they, were, they won. I think they won it two, two, two years in a row, and they beat UConn a couple of times. So they were a dominant team then.
1: Where was the power structure when you
2: guys, I'm trying to think my, in my own timing,
1: but was I an assistant here when you guys beat when I, Connecticut? I
2: think you, yeah, I think you were. You were what not an assistant was it when you I guys, first started.
1: What, what year were you guys, what year was the big win against Connecticut Two, when they were 2003. number one? Yeah, 2003. Oh, no, so I was a head coach. Yes. Yeah, See, you, it was you you your second year. year. I know I was here. I, just, yeah. you <laughs> I were, remember the game. I remember.
2: Yeah, we had Trish in when you, when you before you left. And when you were writing up all my notes for me, <laughs> and, uh, so we had Trish and those guys. We were we were good, but we weren't quite as good as, as we were when you know in two thousand three.
1: Um, the teams with Shelley Pennyfather, when you won the Big East championship um, in the beginning of the Big East, were those teams as good as the teams when you had Trish Jolene and? Which which of those teams, like, talent-wise, were
2: better? Uh, Shelly's team was better. Really? Yeah. They, yeah, remember, they had two players of the year, Shelly, and then Lisa Angelotti was the player of the year after Shelly graduated. So and they had two wow. players a year on the same team. So that that team, I thought, was – Final Four team, I thought, was the best. They were probably the second best. And Trish wow. was the team's probably
1: third. Wow, because I was here, obviously, when Trish and and those guys uh, were here. Tell um, – I will tell stories in our next segment. I want to. I want to just get more to to the to the history. Um, was was the most thrilling part of your career of the year when you guys beat Connecticut and didn't you made a run to the final eight that yeah, year? We made, yeah, we was that to, the same year?
2: We yeah we got to the final eight and the funny was that, that kind of the, the that was the first year most that I, fun
1: but, you had in a year.
2: Yeah, I mean Shelley's teams were fun too. Yeah, fun. Uh, but. That team was fun because I had, I had gone through all that stuff with Pat Summit that same year when I got to be friends with her. Right, right. So we wound up winning the championship, beating Connecticut. Then we went to the Elite Eight and had to play Tennessee at Tennessee. Right. To try to go to the Final Four. Right. So all that was like kind of weird too. At the first year, I'm friends with her, and then all that stuff. It was it was kind of like another storybook thing.
1: Yeah, that that was, that team was amazing, man. I love that team. Um, well. <laughs> Give me just let's just go to the Pat Summit story because, as everyone knows, the great legendary head coach of Tennessee women's basketball. But I remember coming into Jake Nevin Fieldhouse just on a summer day and seeing Pat Summit and her entire staff there must have been like six of them in chairs around the, the court at Jake Nevin, and you giving them a clinic. How did that relationship happen? Happen and how did that all well, come about? It
2: was funny. Um, I, someone said to me, "We were at I don't know. We were at one of those, um, we're, you know, the AAU tournaments, right?" And Pat Summit was asking people about like who who runs decent motion offense. So evidently, someone gave her my name. So two days later, I get back in the office and I hear this message on my phone. It said, "Pat," it says, "Pat." I think somebody's playing a prank on me. So I said to Joe, I said, does that sound like Pat Summit? And, and he goes, yeah. And I, so I called back and she's like, well, you know, I want to come up and see your motion offense. I start, I'm laughing to myself. <laughs> you know what I, mean? I said, sure, whatever you want to do. So they, they guess they have a private plane down there. They flew up and they came to the thing. And, you know, I'm giving them the clinic. And uh, Trish was actually helping me. The, Trish and some of the kids on that team were helping me give the clinic. And uh, I remember afterwards, um, she came up to me. She goes, "You not like me?" I said, "What do you mean?" She goes, y- "You don't look. You not. You don't ever look at me." You look <laughs> at I said, "Look, I'm a history major." I said, "You know, when the queen came out into the you know the the orchards, or the, the the peasants would always look down. Yeah. they never looked up at the queen. You know what I mean? <laughs> so that's how I, that's how the relationship started with her.
1: And then you, so I, I can't remember how the years came together but i remember them being in there i remember uh seeing them on the court and then um how did the relationship grow from there yeah we just because came then i remember from, that was that the same year that you played them
2: it, it ended up being the same year you gave that them fo- your motion office and yeah. you played them yeah the following year yeah as the year progressed like i showed it to them in like so, july and then right. like in what february early late february we or early march we're playing them in the elite 8 so <laughs> it, it, it was pretty funny that was the same year yeah that's what the, made the whole thing funny that's yeah. incredible and
1: then you guys became good friends after yeah. that and stayed and then how did that go over with Gino
2: he, he, t- he, didn't, he, t- he didn't take it well <laughs> 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 and then uh, he, he he still makes fun of it now but uh it, <laughs> it was fun it was fun I know I was like the buffer between both of them <laughs> <laughs> like they both like hated each other so I, w- I would just get in the middle <laughs>
1: You um, after that, after that team, uh, still, I mean, you've had so many great teams and and so many great players in your, um, you know, in your final game. What 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 thoughts went through your mind on the court? Or were you able to just concentrate on on that game against DePaul, who was the number eleven team in the country, playing as well as anybody in the country yeah. coming in?
2: Like I said, it was like a storybook thing, you know. I. I never thought we could beat them, you know. And, you know, kids get aggravated when I tell them the truth. I say, say, you know, you got no shot today. And so it was one of those things where, you know, everything went right. And um, I looked up at the scoreboard with two minutes to go, and I was like, we might win. (laughs) We're up 18 with two minutes to go. I said, can we blow this somehow? So, uh, but it was just a great thing. And then I thought the neatest thing is what you said, like, I was taking pictures with the generational players. Right, like That was really a little... I, I, it was cool and strange at the same time. Yeah. Like all these guys from the first team, and then the second era, the third era, the fourth era. I was like, oh, my God, this yeah. is kind of weird, you know? Yeah. But it was also neat, I thought.
1: And speaking of errors, you have three... Two, two now. Two on the team now, but three... Have, three before, yeah. Three of your players' daughters have played for you.
2: Yeah, and uh, that was pretty neat. And I think Dean told me that Lisa and Mary probably are the highest leading scorers in, in, in maybe NCAA history, mother and daughter, combo at the same wow. school. Lisa scored like 1,800 points, and, and Mary's over 1,400. Wow. That, that's, I thought that was pretty incredible. I never Mary thought Kurt. of it that way before. I thought that was pretty cool. There's a lot of incredible
1: stuff to talk to. We'll, we'll talk about more um, when we come back. We'll take a break.
0: You're listening to the Talking Villanova Basketball podcast with Jay Wright, presented by Hartford Funds, back after this. When Mother Nature strikes, count on your CertainTeed roof to perform. That's the commitment we've made to homeowners for more than 100 years. For roofing you can rely on, look no further than CertainTeed. To find a CertainTeed credentialed contractor near you, visit CertainTeed.com. This is a shout out to the professional tailgaters, game day grillers, and potluck pros. Whether you bake it, smoke it, stack it, or melt it, there's nothing more important about how you cook up your team spirit while serving it with an ice cold Coca-Cola, Coke Zero Sugar, or Coke Life. We may not all agree on the best game day foods, but when you serve your meals with a Coke, you know you've got yourself a winner. Coca-Cola. Taste the feeling. ExxonMobil, and Dunn-Manning, proud sponsors of Villanova Wildcat Athletics. This podcast is brought to you by Hartford Funds, a leading asset manager based in Wayne, Pennsylvania. While other investment management companies measure performance against the S&P 500, Hartford Funds has a different measure of success, investor satisfaction. Hartford Funds, our benchmark, is the investor. J.J. White Incorporated is the single-source, multi-trade contractor for your next construction project. Since 1920, J.J. White Incorporated has been constructing with knowledge and providing service with integrity and safety. Visit J.J. White online at jjwhiteinc.com. Are you looking for something imprinted or embroidered? If so, let Campus Clothes help you get the look. Whether your team is in the corporate office or on the athletic field, Campus Clothes can supply your team with all its needs. Visit us on the web at campusclothes.com or give us a call at 215-357-0892. You may not play well, but you will always look good. If you think your debit card can't help you with your financial game, you're probably not using the red key. Introducing Easy Up by KeyBank, the tool that helps you reduce debt by setting $1 aside from your checking account every time you use your debit card. Automatically racking up savings and paying down debt with EasyUp. It's how you make financial progress. KeyBank is member FDIC and the exclusive retail bank of Villanova Athletics. NovaCare, the exclusive provider of physical therapy to Villanova. The Wildcats choose NovaCare so can you welcome back to the talking villanova basketball podcast and coach will resume our conversation with harry pared the legend
1: uh we call him the horse here at, at villanova because of his affinity for horse racing we've had some great trips haven't we harry yeah to, the, to some horse Mom, horse the like, yeah we'll, we'll go into that but um i, I did want to just touch on uh it, it's pretty amazing um there's only Four coaches, you being one of the four, in Big East history, men's or women, who have won over 300 conference games. Now, the men's are Beheim and Calhoun, which they have all the records in everything in Mm -hmm. men's basketball. And you and Gino are the only two others that have over 300 Big East wins. Does that that resonate with you? What do you think about that being
2: in those circles? I've been in the Big East forever. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I mean, I've i coached a long, long time, and, and the people who are, who hold those records are people who've been in it, I think, from the beginning, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So was Gino in it the first year? Can I? Can, no, wait a minute. I think he came in like a year or two. No, no, he, no, he was. I think he was. Yes, was he? he? Was because I remember, I remember beating them by like eighteen or twenty, and really? they used to get pissed. And then I said to them, well, <laughs> how do you think I feel when you beat us by 50? it's hey, a big difference. And I mean, 18 to 20 is a big difference than 50. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that, that, that's great uh, company. And um, I, I, you, I know you're going to be proud of that. What What is it when you think back um, that it means the most to you in, in your career? Everyone's got some guys like their winning percentage, the, their longevity. What is it that you – think about with your career.
2: I just think about like uh, the kids. I mean like, you know, they bring their they bring their children in when they have children and it's really neat when they come in the office. I think that's the most neat part for me. And something is is different like, you know, like the, the, I know like like men's coaches look at the players as sons, but when you look at somebody as their daughter, it's a little different. You become more protective maybe of your daughter than your son. Yeah. So it kind of like that resonates the most with me. And and that they all you know, even though they took they, they, they took a beating when they were here, <laughs> they, they they at least come back and and they are happy. You know, that's that's the biggest thing that they're happy. I would
1: love to know your thought on. Uh, I tell everybody you're a maniac to play for. You you you, you are crazy, and I was so. Um, one of the things I enjoyed about your your game on Sunday was. Two minutes ago, you're up 15, and I'm looking at a huddle, and you're going crazy in the huddle on was, them.
2: She was screaming at the camera because she didn't come to the ball. Yeah. <laughs> and, But I never, honestly,
1: and, and this is not an exaggeration, and you could see by all the former players that were there, um, you're one of the craziest coaches I've seen on the court. But I've never, ever spoken to one Former player that doesn't love you, doesn't love coming back and didn't love their experience. How do you explain the maniacal nature of your coaching and yet every girl comes back, every woman comes back and and, and love their experience?
2: I, I think that if you let them really know you care about them, you know, I, I think that's the key. And then you like you say, you you know, you know, I'm crazy. That's the, and they, 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 they just look at me as, okay, that's just the way he is. <laughs> so, but you know, I, that's the only way I can explain it. They get to know you as a person because I allow them, I allow them to, to yell at me when they want. And I, I allow them to say, Hey, you know, why don't you shut up right now? <laughs> I mean, so even, even yesterday, Maddie Segris made a reverse layup and, and on friday she tried the same thing and missed it so yesterday when she made it she ran down the court and was staring at me <laughs> so and i just voiced my words like you're a jerk you know I mean? so it's that's the kind of relationship we have so I, I think that that's the only way to explain it
1: it is a, it's an incredible relationship i i am, i I, th- I, th- I think one of the greatest things you've done here is create a legacy that these all these women come back they're amazing women you know, uh, you hear them speak. You see them bring their families back. Their love for Villanova, their love for you, this program, and and every one of them that asks me says, you know, we we got to keep all this together.
2: You know, and, yeah, they and, talked it, to me about that yesterday. So uh-huh.
1: you, you you built an incredible um, family.
2: Yeah, I guess I'm just a person who's been there the whole time. You know, you have to stay at one school for a long time, I guess, for for that to happen. I guess.
1: And they got to feel comfortable coming back. Yeah. Now, let's go to some of your um, your other stories. Your relationship with Roly Massimino. <laughs> um, <laughs> being the women's coach here, um, and, you know, I was an assistant, and uh, watching you two, no one could bust into his office and just break up a meeting and just start talking not unannounced, not knocking on the door like you. Explain your relationship with with Coach Massimino.
2: I mean, he he basically took me under his wing like I was one of his sons. And and that's the way he treated me. You know, he would yell at me. (laughs) I remember, like, yelling at Lisa Angelotti two days after she scored 36 points at Boston College. He came out of his office. Onto the court and says, "Don't you dare yell at us. <laughs> like, so that's the kind of relationship we had, and you know, you know how I am, and I would drive you nuts sometimes. You know, I just walk on. I would like walk onto the court and say, "Coach, I, I don't know if I like what we're doing." Here. <laughs> you know? And then he would yell back, and the kids would just be looking at us like, "Are you kidding me?" You know what I mean? So that was the kind of relationship we had. It was just like a father-son thing.
1: In the old, in the old pavilion, when our offices were in there, and I was an assistant. You, you guys would practice late at night sometimes. I, 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 you would know more than me, but I remember being in the office by myself, and I could hear you screaming down there on the court and thinking, like, how in the world do these girls... I, at first, I'm, I would think something's going on down there. <laughs> Every once in a while in the beginning, I would just, like, step outside the office and just look if everything was okay. You were just on a rant. Um, but how did you and Coach Mass work out practice times and things like that because we didn't have a practice facility okay. we didn't have a practice court we just had one court
2: he was pretty good that way um a lot of people thought there was no way that, you know that he would like you know concede some practice time to us but he was really good that way and uh you know like again I contributed to the he looked at me as like his son trying to you know do something and he always was very helpful in that and um uh, like, people wouldn't believe that I would get him to, like, give up a half hour of practice time, you know. And uh, it, that, that's the way it was. I mean, just – I think he, he, the way he viewed me helped, every, helped the relationship and helped work out all those kinks. <laughs> <laughs> there, there would be times before you got here where he would literally – Run after me, chase me when I was at <laughs> practice, and I would have to run. He he'd be like, "That's that's how pissed he would be at a certain times."
1: If if so, that I I I didn't. I came here, and you were a legend. You're going to the final Eights, and now when I came back as the head coach, so we we mm-hmm. were very deferential to you, even though you were great to us. You let us practice. Um, do you remember the time when um, we were preparing for? Syracuse and I was. You guys were like a Final Eight team, and I was trying to teach my team that we had to be respectful of your guys' success, and we had to earn the right to be on the main court. Yeah, and and you, you were going up to practice, Jake Nevin. Do you remember that yes, story? Yeah. Can you share that story? Can we story? tell that story? You can. You. I, I, I want to let you tell the story.
2: I, I I just told him. I said, listen, you know, I, can we'll give him a little bit more background. Well, uh, you know, they a lot of my friends. You know, they would place a wager once in a while. <laughs> after that. And uh, he was getting ready to play Syracuse. And I'm like, Jay, you know, just stay on the court here. You know, you need to practice. You need to do this, that, and the other. And he's going, no, 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 no. You guys practice. I said, no, listen to me. You got to stay here. You <laughs> got to <laughs> practice. So then I told him afterwards, I said, you know, my, if you would have lost that game or whatever it was, <laughs> I would have catched all kinds of crap. I said, because got, these guys all bet the game. And I'm like, I don't want <laughs> you know to I mean? I know anything about it. And that's what was really funny, I mean. This
1: wow. the the story goes where I was trying to make a point to our team that this this women's team that year. I mean, they've had a lot of success, and they were walking up to Jake Nevin Fieldhouse to uh, to practice when we're on the court. And I said, Harry, let let us go up there and we'll practice. And um, they we got to earn the right to be on this main court. Mm-hmm. And you guys are having a great season. We were not a good team. And I want our guys to see they got to earn it. Now. He's like, no, 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 you stay on the court. You, you guys, you need the main court to practice. We're good up there. And then he told me later. He goes, if my guys were betting that game. You guys were playing the next day because if, if they knew I kicked you off the court, they'd kill me. <laughs> so I was like, oh I man. Think
2: Jay I said, you know, I shouldn't be telling you this, but I, like, <laughs> I don't want to know what half these guys are doing. <laughs> and
1: how about our how about our trips to uh, to Monmouth, Monmouth. How about with Monmouth Park to open up. The season with Coach Massimino and um, Joe Iorio. I still see him once in a while. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. That tell people at our tradition. Opening day, of Monmouth yeah, Park. Yeah,
2: we used to go. Rolly was friends with all these guys in, in North in Central Jersey, and they were all either had a connection to Monmouth Racetrack or worked at the track or they were big construction guys. I mean, these guys were high up in the political thing in, in Central Jersey. So every opening day at Monmouth, we would go to Monmouth. I had to put a suit coat on. And everything. <laughs> so we would all go to Monmouth. We would all pack ourselves in the car. That was comical. Yeah. And then we would tell camp stories when we were in the car. <laughs> and we used to go to Monmouth racetrack for opening day. I mean, you, you just had to be there to see it. I mean, but we had all yelling guys and yeah, you know,
1: all our that was part of Raleigh's, um thing like our whole coaching staff had to go like I didn't really like horses I I, was, I would have loved that a day off just one day yeah. <laughs> the whole staff used to have to go our whole men's staff and Harry because Harry actually enjoyed it and loved it coach <laughs> knew he loved it and he knew the horses so we, he would he would handicap all the races for us and we would place all of our bets right based yeah. on Harry and then we'd have to go out to eat Oh, then,
2: oh, that was really good when we went out to eat. <laughs> we really enjoyed that.
1: I mean, every year.
2: Every year. But the camp stories were really funny, oh, too. Oh, my God. I remember the story we would tell all the time where Roley would say, he had, he had like, what, 700 campers?
1: 850. Yeah, okay. So he would say. <laughs> but who's uh, counting? Tomorrow, but he would only let yeah, you yeah. say 600. Yeah, right. So
2: <laughs> tomorrow, he said, tomorrow, anybody wants to come for individual instruction, get here at 8 o'clock. So it's me and the men's staff. Three hundred kids show up for individual <laughs> instruction, and, and I was like, "This is unbelievable." I mean, we're trying to do individual instruction with three hundred kids. You
1: know, and I should back up. You you are right when you when you said seven hundred because that was the day camp. That was the day. That's that, what I said because you ran. I was talking about the overnight camp yeah. at eight hundred fifty. Well, you camp. were right.
2: Won't go near that. <laughs> and
1: um, how did you guys do that back then? You and Coach Mass were partners in the day camp. No,
2: no he, he he used to run the day camp, and then. When this, we used to do the women's camp as it like, yeah, you, it wasn't partners, but it was like a separate Did thing. we have girls in that camp at yeah, that time? Yeah, it was like yeah. a separate thing. You guys were
1: ahead of your time back then. You guys working we together We were working on
2: together, yeah, and a lot of people, you know, didn't do that, and it was, it was, it was fun. Like, he, he got me involved, and then he eventually gave up the whole thing, and just gave, you know, I had my separate week, but when right. I was younger, that's how he did it. Right,
1: and now, um, what are your plans? Do you have plans? What you're gonna do next? It-
2: Not really. I'm. Villanova is, is paying me for another year. I don't know what they want me to do, so I, I, you know, I'll do whatever they want me to do. But I don't really have any plans right now. Just waiting to see what happens.
1: Do you think you'll? Do you think you'll be good at retirement?
2: I. I think so. I mean, you know, everybody's asked me about like, you know, you know, do this, do that. I said, hey. I don't want to be a head coach of anything ever. Like, fifth and sixth <laughs> grade CYO, I'm an assistant. That's it. <laughs> so I haven't really thought about it yet. But, uh, you know, I'll think about it more, I guess, at the end of next year when I know I'm, I'm leaving Villanova for sure.
1: Do you think you'll be able to come back and watch games here? Or will like it be to. too tough on you? Or no, you?
2: I, it'll be, it, it should be fun. I would love to go to a game and not have any, any you know, any any involvement in it. <laughs> you know i enjoy that you know, I, mean, I, you know like, I like watching your games because i have no involvement in it,
1: you know? <laughs> hey, explain how um you used to uh coach uh larry brown when he's here and when, when <laughs> he was with the sixers and you would tell larry brown about his zone offense
2: well it was funny he came up one day and him and i met in in jake nevin and we went over like zone offense i showed him this <laughs> He, I took the line from Roley, leave a spot, fill a spot, and I made like this zone offense out of that philosophy. So Larry Brown came up, and, and, I, and I, said to him, you know, I showed it to him, and I said, what do you think? And he said to me, well, you can also add screening to it. So I would I, take all the different people's ideas and add it to whatever I made up. So that yeah. was that was fun time, too, when he would come up and do that. That yeah, was really cool. <laughs>
1: How about um, tell everyone, uh, when I was his assistant, you had to oh, spread offense. Oh, yeah, that was great. I, that's tell tell every, everyone that story.
2: I would never write anything down because I, like, I was like a gnome at trying to do it. So, <laughs> so Did one, you
1: write practice plans? Do you write practice plans?
2: Joe writes them. Really? Yeah. yeah, my, yeah. You just tell, I them, tell them what my you want to do? I say, look, I want to do this, so just, that, they would write it down. So, and, <laughs> and
1: you've never written up your offenses or defenses?
2: No. I've had other people do it for right. me, actually.
1: Unbelievable. Um, and you have incre- probably the most complex offense of <laughs> anybody in the country, and you've never, you've never personally written it. No, actually, no. <laughs> That's incredible.
2: Why it's complex is Roley helped me make it. He actually came to Nevin after he had retired, and we went over this whole number system. And, you know, we numbered every cut, every possible cut you could make. We numbered it, and we would use one or two cuts on a possession. Well, of course, he wanted to use three cuts. <laughs> I like, so I used to always take the stuff he would think of and, like, make it actually more simple. You actually, right. he was, he was you know, he was. Yeah. He would make up stuff, like, he was the, a, the day of the game. He tried to make a it was a genius. Up, he right? was a basketball and genius. And I would have to, like, my my goal was, like, to, like, like decomplicate it you know what I mean? <laughs> and try to make it a little simpler, so. That was pretty cool, too.
1: Tell everybody when, when, about your, your yeah, spread uh, offense. Yeah, that's great. great. It's a great Harry story.
2: So I come out of Raleigh's office one day, and uh, Jay's sitting there, and he says to me, he goes, talk to me about the spread. He goes, you have any notes written up? And I said, no, I don't write anything down, Jay. He goes, well, why don't you come back tomorrow and tell me, and they go, I'll write it up. So I that's great. So he writes it up, and I get the sheet, so now when I give clinics and stuff, I'm using that cheap. You know what I mean? So it must have been 10 years later, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Jay is somewhere. I'm Hofstra. Saying, oh, that where you were? Yeah. He sees somebody with the, the spread offense. He goes, can I see that piece of paper? <laughs> so he looks at it and he goes, I wrote that. He goes, that I, wrote I asked that. somebody, I said, where did you get that? He yeah. said, oh,
1: I saw this great coach, the women's coach from Villanova gave a clinic and he handed these out. I had to get his... It, this guy was amazing. I said, "Let me let me see that." And he, I was like, "That I wrote that ten years yeah. ago for him." I said, "That's his offense." But I said, "He didn't even change the writing over." Yeah, three. yeah, I didn't change anything.
2: It was the same thing. So people get a kick out of that story.
1: I was one of, that was one of my favorites. I was I I called you. I called you. I'm like I have. I was like you couldn't even like clean that up because that was ten no, I just, years ago.
2: I took it. I still handled it. Out. <laughs>
1: All right. Be, before we let you go here, can you could you pick a top five um, Harry Preda team
2: oh, of all the years? Well, I, I know it's tough to do. But I just, obviously, I just, Shelly would be Shelly with, Penn and Father Lisa Angelotti, Lisa Trish Jeline, Trish Jeline. And then we were starting to debate Denise Dillon. Yeah, and it gets really hard for the fifth one. Uh, like I would say, maybe Caroline Coyer because she made the USA team. Yeah. But we actually were talking about that the other day. Someone was asking me, could you pick a team? And I th- that, and, and I, I don't know if that, I, w- I would change it tomorrow, but that would be it if you told and me off
1: the top of my head. That's it. Imagine put that squad on the that's floor. That's a pretty good team, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, my man, congratulations on an incredible career. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait till next year's podcast and we can tell <laughs> all the stories. <laughs> That might, might have gotten you fired if we yeah. told them
2: now, but they are beauties. Well, my friends still want me to tell you, you better keep winning. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's our man, Harry Preda, the Villanova legend.
0: That's, that'll do it for the Talking Villanova podcast presented by Hartford Funds. Thanks to Matt Freshilla for getting us on the air. We'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to Talking Villanova Basketball presented by Hartford Funds. Now coming to you throughout the season and beyond. Talking Villanova Basketball with Jay Wright is presented by Hartford Funds. Our benchmark is the investor. Stop by Great American Pub Bar and Grill with locations in Conchahokan, Wayne, and Phoenixville. If you're looking for fine food in a casual atmosphere, Great American Pub is the place for you. Come out to Great American Pub for great food, great times, and great fun. For more information, visit us at www.greatamericanpub.com. Stop by Great American Pub bar and grill with locations in Conshohocken, Wayne, and Phoenixville. If you're looking for fine food in a casual atmosphere, Great American Pub is the place for you. Come out to Great American Pub for great food, great times, and great fun. For more information, visit us at www.greatamericanpub.com.